Down and down again. Oh. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Oh. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. Oh. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't oh, find her. Shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. Our Monday show. This is not a typical Monday show. So, as you guys have know, we've had like. <laughs> you guys have been hitting me up about wrestling. We're going to get back to that. Um, and I do have that announcement I can actually make now because Pin has been officially put to paper, so I can make that. I'm not gonna make it today though. Um, what I'm actually going to do here's here's the plan. So we have this show today. We have the Wednesday show, which is about Nate Agent, and then we're gonna do a normal Monday show next week, or for the next two weeks. And we have a normal then next Wednesday. We won't we won't have a Wednesday show next week. I don't think. But the, the, essentially, the schedule is going to be night agent, regular Monday show, no Wednesday show, and then the first week of May, or for, well, second week of May, technically. Um, we will have a Monday show that will consist of, um, I, we, will, we won't know, actually, yeah, we, we, it'll be my, no, actually, no, we will have a regular Monday show next week. No, no, not next week. no, no, no. So essentially, that Monday, excuse me, that Monday show will consist of the results from Backlash. <coughs> and I'm getting over a cold, so please excuse me. That will be a result of Backlash, and that following Wednesday will be the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three review. I will make my announcement on that show. Um, yeah. And we'll go from there. But this show was special. This show, you guys know my love for hip-hop. You guys know my artist. You guys know I am um, producer, rapper, type of stuff. But it's been 50 years in hip-hop. And I would say, you know what? It would be dope to do something 50 and 50. And <coughs> excuse me. I didn't want to bring a guest on and have them struggle <laughs> to give their top 50 in hip-hop. So I said, you know what, let me write down my first, first thing I did was say, let's make this my first top 50 songs, right? Start writing top 50 songs for me. And I was like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. Then I said, artists. That didn't work. Then I said, hip-hop acts. So you're gonna have cheating in this because, one, is my list. But two, it's just the top 50 acts in hip-hop history for me. What I enjoy, um, what I feel have been super influences on my life and um an impact so you might have a group as well as a solo act that came from that group you might you know i think in this situation is only one but i tried to limit that because example outcast outcast is on my list i would never separate andre and big boy because they never andre has never had a solo album i know some people would say um the double disc they had was pretty much two solo albums because they only had one song on there where they were together. And that's a certified diamond album. But that's still technically an outcast album. That's how it's promoted. That's how it's marketed. That's the only reason, in my opinion, it went diamond. Now, don't get me wrong. Hey, I was a big part of that. And, and um, 
I like the way you move was a big part of that, but it was promoted as a double album for Outkast, and it's a diamond album. So I'm not going to separate those two. As as to where something like Ghetto Boys and Scarface, to me, Scarface solo career, he's the only he's the only artist in my opinion to have four or five straight classic albums I can listen to all the way through with no skips. Like I just I just don't think many artists have that, and Face does have that uh, for me. So you're gonna have a, a, a you're gonna have some controversy from this list for you hip hop heads. Um, but you know we've had acts on here like Libsy and uh, ZYG 808. By the way, I'm actually on. I just got um, <laughs> uh, a, a splits list for the, for those for those of you who don't know what splits list means. It means um, when you do a song with someone if they don't pay you outright they then will give you a percentage of uh royalties from that particular album song whatever um i did a song with zyg 808 maybe a couple years ago now i don't remember exactly when i recorded that song it could have been last year i don't remember um a funny thing about that song it's called my children um i don't know the name of his album i know his album is imminent because he told me maybe a couple of months ago that his album was imminently coming out and um I actually still have a song, me and him, well, I recorded the song, he put a verse on it um, called My Patience, I just don't know when I'm going to put it out, because that's a whole other story, but either way, just to tell you guys a quick story about how that even happened is, um, one day I had a studio planned, session planned, and I don't have my own studio at home, uh, reason for that is I used to have a keyboard, like, yes, I played a keyboard, and I, and I couldn't keep it in the house I was staying, so I have it in my trunk, for about a year and a half. I pulled it out every now and then played it, whatever. So anyways, I finally get my own place, or I finally get a place with my significant other at the time. And I first thing I did after we moved in, literally the first thing I did was I moved I, I put my sat down and my ex said, You've been waiting to play that thing in your own home. I was like, You damn right. I try to I try to play it. Does nothing nothing going on. Hook it up, put batteries in it, <clears throat> everything, right? nothing works take it to, to guitar center it just went dead because it was dealing with inclement weather for a year and a half even though i was pulling it out every now and then it just that wasn't meant for that so i said you know what i move way too much to be trying to buy a home studio and it's just too expensive so anyways i'm um going to a studio i'm actually leaving up the house i get i get a, a text message i look at my phone and I go, I sit in my car, it's, you know, Ziggy, Z-Y-G. I said, yo, what's up? He said, man, I got this track I want you on. Can you can you do it? I said, well, I am literally, literally on my way to the studio right now. If you can send it to me, if you can send it to me within the next 10 minutes, I'll, I'll play it in my car and come up with something on the way. Mind you, I already had the studio session locked down for the things I wanted to do. Now, in fairness, Tyler, the engineer, me and him work well together. <clears throat> So it's usually a lot faster than I expect, even though I'm not going for speed. Um, but he sends me his track. I listen to it, I listen to it, I listen to it. And this, this is the first time in my career has ever happened. Usually people hit me up after the studio session or I have no plans to go and I don't want to go for that one thing because I'm not inspired to do anything else. So I'm on my way there. <clears throat> Literally... Jay-Z the verse in my head. Don't write down or nothing. That's the, and then as soon as I get there, 
immediately lay it down. I think it came out pretty good. Um, so I'm excited. He liked the verse. Happy to be on his album. Uh, honored to be on his album. So there we go. But this, we're going to have a bunch of honorable mentions on here. I think we have 11 honorable mentions. I will tell you guys why there are not honorable mentions for me and why they weren't in my top 50. But I'll tell you, but you'll understand why. Um, so let's get to those real quick. And by the way, you guys know how my list go. Just because I'm telling you guys in a certain order, it's just how I wrote them. Because they, they, I thought about them in that order. But there's no 1 to 50. It's just, that's what it is. But anyways, honorable mentions. 1, Tupac. Yes, Tupac is in my honorable mentions, not my top 50. I've never been a Tupac fan. Um, I think his message was deeper than hip-hop. And I think his message was not hip-hop. And what I mean by that is, I never once ever said to myself, I had to go buy a Tupac out. Or I have to go check this Tupac interview out. <clears throat> For me, it just never hit. As a matter of fact, what's crazy is, I have a friend, a lifelong friend, over 20 years. He was always begging me to give All Eyes On Me a chance. That's the one that everyone considers a classic album. That one in All Eyes On Me. Or no, um, Me Against the World, excuse me. And so during COVID, the the beginning stages of COVID, when it was real and they were all in the fucking house, my first thing was, let me fucking listen to this fucking album. And let's do. Um, and what's crazy is I'm finding out more and more from people who had to work because um, a job I'm currently leaving to go to somewhere else, they were essential. I, I didn't think they would be essential. That's crazy. So you, they had to actually have like um, badges and stuff. And at nighttime, they would get pulled over. Like one, um, one guy told me he would get pulled over like two or three times a week. Hey, what are you doing out? That was crazy to me because there was a couple of nights I just was driving around. So, and I never got pulled over. I didn't see many cops on the fucking road. So that was interesting to me. But anyways, um, I was bumping all eyes on me. I don't think it's a classic, honestly, bro. And also, I've, I've heard so many stories about it, which are consistent stories about how when, when that album first came out, I was really young. And the whole pitch of that album was it's Pac, it's Dre, it's Death Row. Dude, it's not Dre only produced one song, and that's the song that they still play to this day, which is California Love, which is a good song. Um, but everything else is, is really produced by Daz Dillinger, which is still great production. Um, it's, but it feels like he got home from jail, Tupac, recorded a bunch of music. Because there's a lot of music on there that should not be on there. I just don't think it's good music. Um, but there are some good tracks on there. Picture Me Rolling, California Love. Um, there's a bunch of songs on there. That, um, My Ambition as a Writer. But I actually think the Cluminati, the, Clum, the Cluminati album, the one after that, the one that he that they dropped after he passed away, I actually think that one is better. But then, just like two months ago, I was at the, my job, and someone said, hey, man, just listen to um, Me Against the World. I listened to Me Against the World. I actually think Me Against the World is a classic. Like, I would not go back and listen to it, but um, <clears throat> I actually think that that one is actually much better. Um to me personally. Um, so he just didn't have that impact for me. There's some songs I like of his. I know there's one album they dropped was a double album. I don't remember the name of the album. Um, 
Dang, wasn't it? It has a bunch of songs on there too called Breathing with the Outlaws. So I can fly, so I can fly, so I can fly, so I can fly. Until the end of time, that's the name of the album. I think those tracks, I think that track is... That one actually I have is a, is a little bit more um, friendlier to my ears. Um, but he just didn't do it for me, man. And honestly, I think his beat selection and... Um, I just think sometimes he just, I don't know, just didn't, he just didn't resonate with me. Even though he has classic records, like Dear Mama is a classic record. Um, what is that song? Dun, 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 dun. I Match, I think it's a classic record. I just don't think he ever put it all together for me. You know, that's when people say Pac's not your entire five. You're not hip hop, that's fine. But that's, that's stupid to say that though. Cause we all have, we all have just different tastes and people that things, different tastes. Like example, Drake will be an influence. We're going to have rappers coming up even now who will say, Oh, Drake is the reason I got to rapping. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, people will still say that about Pac. Everyone, dude, it doesn't have to be chocolate all the time. It could be vanilla and strawberry too. He just didn't do it for me, you know? And, um, I am happy I've, I've, listen to those albums though i'm very happy about that because um they are part of hip-hop history you're not going to tell the story of hip-hop without talking about tupac and so i'm happy i've heard them but yeah i don't i would never need to go back to those again in my life that's okay speaking of essential to hip-hop but not my thing drake I can tell you the only project of Drake that I've ever listened to from front to back was his certified lover boy. And that is because I was really curious. And I think I said this on the podcast, on Lipsy's podcast. I thought he was going to change it up. And I was really curious to see if he was going to be the lyrical giant that he wants to be. And he stuck to the formula, which, dude, he has a great formula. He sells a lot of records. This dude just signed a new $200 million deal with Universal why would you change it up? Um, I will say this though, just being fair, I guess Tootsie Slide, um, Find Your Love, and Passion Fruit are the only songs that I could say I know for a fact Drake's is in my playlist um, on Spotify. And he just doesn't do it for me as an artist, honestly. Um, but also, I remember listening to early, early Drake and when he was just rapping. And um, he just never did for me, period. But it's funny because um, I think he's, I think I said, and I know I said this on the Lipsy podcast a few months ago, he is essential, essential to hip hop. We need acts like that to balance out the scales, you know, to fo- strictly focus on the ladies and to also be the guy that's controversial enough to say men will like him. Some men will, and some men will be like, well, you know, uh, I kind of like him, <laughs> you know. Um, but once again, he's never had an influence on me. Um, but I do think he, when it's all said and done, the books will say Drake was one of the greatest artists of all time. Ja Rule. <laughs> ja, I don't care what anyone says. Ja Rule was around for seasons until 50 Cent came along. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and Ja Rule's first album is really good. It's, it's not even, I think he's barely even singing on it. Um, it's mainly rapping. It's pure hip hop. 
His first album is dope. His first album is platinum too. But then he took a different approach on the second album and he found out the uh, murdering success. They put they had uh, Between Me and You, which was cool. Uh, not not really my thing. And then they dropped Put It On Me. And Put It On Me was a nuclear bomb being dropped onto the scene that no one has ever seen before. As far as from a gangster rapper, I'm doing air quotes there, you can't see me doing air quotes. And I remember just being so stunned at the success of the song, and I hate it. Because, but it's not a bad song, it was played for so much, and it was a show called 106 in Park, where you had to vote on the videos. I don't know if the videos voting was legitimate, I think it was though, because it got to the point where they had to, it was the first ever video on that on that uh, show, they had to retire. Because it was like, think on like five or six months, it was just number one. And it wasn't like these people, this show was about interviewing, was about Freestyle Friday, was about a number of things. And the reason why I've always believed the voting was legitimate was because it was going six months straight. They weren't even playing the whole video at that point. They were, play, they were waiting until like, it, got to like, it was like six o'clock to 7.30 was a show, right? It got to 7.28, they're playing two minutes of the video. So then they find some fuck this is retired video. That's the first video they had to retire because it was just they, people couldn't get enough of it. Um, but Ja Rule is a huge part of hip hop, and Irv Gotti is Murder Inc. is. They were around for seasons. You couldn't literally, <coughs> excuse me, literally. He dropped I think it was Rule Three Three Six. That was the album that this was on. By the way, there's a really dope track on there called uh, If God Was One of Us. Check that out. And they played his videos, and this was unheard of at the time. His videos, his singles, were still being charted and played up until the time the next album dropped. Pain is Love. So literally, you had all the promotion you needed from the last album into the next single. Now, one of the great, now, see, to me, one of the best songs he ever did, to me, is his best song he's ever done. It's always on time. That song I can play. I when I was DJing before, I could play that song on my playlist all the time. You know, I I think the I think it's it still played to this time. I love always on time. I love the flow, the beat, Ashanti singing on the hook, etc., etc. So, you know, once again, you know, all these people I'm gonna name. I don't think you can, you can talk about the story of hip hop and leave them out. But Ja Rule. Another one, BG, B Jizzle, other hot boys, uh, currently locked up. Um, he has, to me, he's one of the, <clears throat> he was with Cash Money in his early years, um, kind of falling out with them. Then he went on his independent thing and became even, and, and got his own name out there uh, without Cash Money. He still never went back to Cash Money. I'm sure he's um, mended fences with them, but, um, he just is, uh, he's to me, his style is gutter, <laughs> raw, um, Chopper City in the ghetto is the is the reason why you have the term bling bling um, that was on there that spawned that hit record. Um, with, I just couldn't imagine the Hot Boys without BG. You know, he just, he was the Southern prodigy, as I would say. Prodigy was very lyrical. Prodigy of my deep, obviously. Very lyrical and um, just raw. But BG is one of my, those artists that, 
I still can play him in my playlist, and he just he hits. But I couldn't find a place from my top 50. Another one is Fiend. Fiend from No Limit, Mr. Womp Womp himself. Um, I love Fiend. I think Fiend, his, his second album from No Limit, is a classic. I don't think I know. It's called Street Life. It's not on streaming services. Check it out. Uh, the beats, the rhymes, from beginning to the end, I just believe that's a classic. Um, uh, and it's underappreciated because by the time Street Life dropped, No Limit was like not a top anymore. They were coming down. They still had some power going, but they were coming down. But if you look at a lot of those rappers' second albums, they're underappreciated because No Limit wasn't the power powerhouse they were. You know, you would say that I would say their peak is the last on. Um, but Fiend is to and then he went to, to the Rough Riders. He has the headbusters, headbusters. The headbusters consist of him and DJ Paul and Juicy J. Um, this dude has lyrics for fucking days. So Mac, he only has two albums. Obviously, he was locked up. For you guys don't know the story, Mac uh, was signed to No Limit, and he had, he dropped two albums. I believe they're both fire and classics. And then he got locked up for murdering a kid in a, a nightclub. Um, which he was wrong, convicted of. He spent 18 years in jail, I believe it was, 18 or 20 years. He is out now, um, but he's only he only got two albums to his name. They're both on streaming services. One's called Shell Shock. One's called World War III. Um, <clears throat> his, he was the, by far the most lyrical of all the No Limit soldiers. <clears throat> I'll put I'll put him one, Fiend two, Soldier Slim three. Um, uh, but the reason why he, he, he just didn't. <sighs> My top 50 acts had to be better than. They, they had to do more than be lyrical. They had to impact me in a certain way. And he was lyrical, but like he didn't have that. Uh, wait, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't have that. That thing for me that made me say, man, you know. I need to. I need to be. I need to collaborate with him. I need to do this. He didn't have that. It he had it factor as a rapper, but not on that transcendent level to me, for me. But he, I still can play a song to this day. Big L, Big L. You're you're gonna hear a lot of controversy about this name as well. Some people say Big L. I, I just didn't. He didn't have the. I've heard maybe ten, twelve songs from him my entire life. He could rap his ass off without a shadow of a doubt. He can rap his ass off. But um, he just didn't do it for me. You know, um, I'm even looking at my list now and I forgot a, a name on here. And I'm going to find a way to squeeze them on, actually. Um, but or I might just put them in the armor mentions list as well. But um, yeah, dude, like. I just I can't say he impacted me in any kind of way because I was so young when he passed. I've gone back to his catalog and he just uh, he just he was a dope MC but he just didn't do it for me, you know. Another one's Dipset as a whole. Uh, I, I, my first list had Cameron on it, but honestly, Cameron <clears throat> and Dipset had this this time, and I want to say from 2002 to about 2006 or seven. Them and the producers, the heat makers, holy shit, they dropped bombs. The beats were fire. The lyrics were fire. It made me like Jim Jones as a rapper. Uh, Joel Santana became a star because of it. Um, 
it just uh I just couldn't find a place for him when I finalized my list. And as I'm looking at and even though there's one like I said, there's one act now that's bothering me that's not on here. And um Damn, I don't know where to put them. That's crazy. So I might delete them off. Or I might just, you know what? I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna change this. I see he's doing this on the fly right here. That's crazy. I put them my, so I'm adding one more team to my um, honorable mentions. Um, but uh, they do. They 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 are a huge part of hip hop. They they did their own thing. They were swag. They did the pink thing. They 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 wore ridiculous clothes. And they did it, and you you could tell they didn't give a fuck. You know, and they still have their own way of doing things. But I definitely feel like. I remember watching them on Versus Against the Locks. Their style has aged. Because, only because, when you're performing your hits, people want you to perform your hits. Not play sing along with with the track. And they had some hits. So, next up is Talib Kweli. I couldn't find a place for this man on my list. Uh, But he's highly influential to get by. Black Star. Um... His group with the high tech, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. It's it's, it's not registering, but um, he speaking of lyrical, and I know he hates when people put him in the box. But I'm not, I don't want to put him in the box. By the way, I have a friend that keeps fucking with him on Instagram, and, and, and eventually Tali was just gonna block him. But um, <coughs> true story. But um. <coughs> He just didn't have, to me, his album, all of his albums just didn't hit enough for me. Like his verses would, like when he was on other people's tracks. I had a few songs on his albums, but like, he doesn't have that one album for me that just hits for me that I, that I actually say, you know what? It's just not deniable for me. I can't, I have to put him on here, you know? It's unfortunate. Saigon. Saigon may be the least known on this. Maybe Mac, uh, but let's think Saigon's right next to him. <clears throat> Let me tell you guys something. All of his albums are fire. I don't think they're classics, but they are fire. He's constantly spitting about. Um, it's not just like he's a political artist, because he has songs about women on his tracks, too. It's, it's so dope. His flows, him and Just Blaze just have this connection that um, just works. I, I couldn't put him over these artists in my top 50, though. But I want to give him a shout out because he is that dope to me. Another one is Nelly. His first album, Country Grammar, is a certified fucking classic album. I don't care what anyone says. The beats, the production, the beats, the uh, the hooks, the lyrics. There are sir. He is a as a certified Country Grammar is a certified classic. I can listen to the entire thing all the way through, and I do understand. If you, and I'm sure most of you guys don't even know the history of this album because it came out in 2000. But um, the history of that album is dope because when Nelly got on, uh, St. Lunatics got on. And label, I think it was Interscope or Universal, one of the two, I think it's Universal. They only wanted, they wanted Nelly to come out first. So that entire album, for the most part, is a is a St. Lunatics album where they already had the beats and the and, uh, hooks. They just gave it to Nelly. And so the fact that he was able to take a group album, break it down and make it a solo album, 
the only thing I don't like on there are the skits with him and Cedric Entertainer, but I guess that was because Cedric Entertainer is from St. Louis. That was like the co-sign to say, hey, this dude's cool. Then you also have a Lil Wayne verse on there, which is all right. <laughs> but um, um, it, it felt forced, though. That, 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 that's the only knock I have on that album is that Lil Wayne verse felt forced because he's on Universal. That first album is classic, though. And he's an MC. I don't care what no one says. He's a legend. When there's a hip-hop Hall of Fame created, he will be in the hip-hop Hall of Fame. He is one of only 10 or 11 acts, I think, to go diamond in hip-hop. That's saying a lot. What, 50 Cent has gone diamond? Nelly, M, Outkast. I'm going to look the rest of them up, but that's that's an interesting list to be on right there. But that first album is classic. Check it out. And I you you can still bump it to this day. Yeah, some of the lyrics can be dated because you know, um, times change, um, clothing changes. But man, some of that music is just I don't know. I can still bump that to my day. This day doesn't bother me. And finally, the the name I just had to add to the honorable mentions list is the Ghetto Boys. Um, I had to replace them with a different group, but the Ghetto Boys impactful. Bushwick Bill. Um, Scarface, Willie D, um, Minds Playing Tricks on Me, the classic, the 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 artwork of <laughs> these people were so they were ahead of their time with taking things in the moment, putting rap a lot on the map. You have Scarface and Willie D on the side uh, of the gurney, pushing Bushwick Bill after he got shot in his eye. That was a real picture they took and put on a fucking album cover. That is crazy to me. That they were able to capture that moment and say, no, no, we need to take this. And I think that was Jay Prince's idea. But um, I couldn't leave them off. But like when I looked at it, I already have spoiler alert face on here. And I said, you know what? Let me just, um, let me just figure out a way to do this. But, um, those are the honorable mentions. Like I said, some will be controversial. Some you guys may not even know. But and some is just like they do that's this is my list of what was what's important to me and what hip hop has done for me. You know. Um so let's get right to the list. Um I have Redman is number one. Once again, just gonna go off the numbers, but this not in any order. Redman is a lyrical assassin, uh, still doing it great to this day. You could say he has comedy lyrics, but this dude, Muddy Waters, is the first album, um, classic. He is the guy that people look to when they say, you want lyrics, he has them in abundance. So that is um, very special. Um and also him never being afraid to be himself. Yeah, he can do the comedy stuff, but dude, he just get on tracks and murder them. And his vocabulary, his vernacular is ridiculous. But yeah, check out Muddy Waters. Number two, Method Man. Um, some people would say Red Man's better. It doesn't matter. This dude, Method Man, is a part of the legendary Wu-Tang Clan. He has classics like M-E-T-H-O-D, man. He also has a Grammy 
from his certified classic song with Mary J. Blige, You're All I Need, which some people say is the, the, is the, the best love song ever created in hip-hop history. And that's saying a lot, considering you have a lot of people like Drake out there right now. People still consider this the greatest love song in hip-hop history. Um, but check all that out. Like, Method Man is... And he's still a lyrical monster, too. He actually revealed on a interview a couple years ago, he does crossword puzzles. And that's how he keeps adding to his vernacular. Now he's mainly an actor. I think he's on, like, one of the power shows as a lawyer. But he, without a doubt, is one of the best lyricists of all time. And I can't... I love his voice. And I love how he um, manipulates himself. And then we put Red Man, Method Man together. It's just one of the greatest things ever. And, and how they came to even came together was uh, they were opening for, I think, Jay-Z. And they were going to be two different sets. And Jay-Z said, hey, why don't you guys do a set together? You guys sound good together. And so they did. And it was an opening act that were just made, they, they made things fun. You know what I'm saying? Um, number three is my ultimate influence, LL Cool J, Ladies Love Cool James, James Todd Smith, um, some people say the original Drake. I don't know if I agree with that. I do think he is the original person to say, you know what? I have a song I want to do. I'm going to do it. I actually think it's the worst song he's ever done. I Need Love. I hate that song. That's because it's, it's played nonstop all the time. I remember when I had XM Radio. It was literally played all the fucking time. So annoying, dude. But that's a certified class for some people. Um... My favorite song from him, from him is Hey Love with him featuring Boyz II Men. Um, and for him to be my ultimate influence, I'm not afraid to say that I don't think he has any classic albums. But his influence is so important in hip-hop because he just did things his way. You know, he would do collaboration like 4321 with Method Man, Red Man, Master P, Cannabis. And he would go up, or Who Shot Ya? You listen to the original Who Shot Ya from him, it's all right. But then he gets on the remix. Holy shit, you have Foxy Brown, you have Fat Joe, you have fucking Prodigy, and you have Keith Murray. Just murdering shit. Shout out to Keith Murray. I'm, um, I'm making sure he's a honorable mention as well. Um, but huge part of hip-hop. Um, in the hip-hop hall of fame, I mean, excuse me, in the rock and roll hall of fame as well. Scarface, number four. Face, as I said earlier, has the distinction for me of having four straight classic, non-skippable albums. From production to lyrics, from everything he's talking about, it's just all classic. And he is the only one that had enough respect during the middle of Nas and Jay-Z's beef. They both collaborated with him on the same album. True story. Scarface just... Fantastic. Go check out Untouchable. Go check out um, the my diary, uh, the the diary. Excuse me. Um, go check out uh, for you Tupac fans. Smile. Um, go check out uh, so many, so many. Just just check out his entire catalog. Last of a dying breed. Give me a break, dude. Number five. This is the one that I changed out for Ghetto Boys. Cypress Hill. How can I just kill a man like? Their style and what they brought to the table from the West Coast is just the impact is so 
for the, for me it was there like I can't believe I, they were on my original list so I just I just forgot to I just forgot and left them off but um Cypress Hill uh the group just they they endure because they are they are unapologetically themselves they are even with B Real's voice he changes it up you should that, that shouldn't work but it does Go check out their, their go check out their track list as well. They're just dope. Number six, Nas. Nas coming out the game when he rapped on live at the barbecue. The, the the line that put him on, the classic line that put him on was, I went to hell because I snuffed God. That is a line that started a rap career. True story. Then he drops this he then he drops the underappreciated at the time, which became a classic. Illmatic. I know he's tired of people saying, or people living on Illmatic, but that's, that's what, that's a good thing. He has, he will always have that. He can literally go anywhere and perform that and make money for the rest of his career. I know he doesn't want to be Ken. I think still Max a classic, personally. That was his comeback to form. Um, he, have, it was written. You also have his classic feud with Jay-Z, where Got a little too personal, but he's been through it all, and he is still here. And then you have what many are saying is probably the greatest run in uh, a late career stage. He's linked up with Hit Boy, a producer, and they've literally dropped four albums, and some people are saying all four are classics. If they're not classics, they're going to be. King's Disease 1, King's Disease 2, King's Disease 3 magic all this has been with one producer and he he found and he said it in the, in the last king's disease album michael and quincy jones michael jackson and quincy jones were a group great group a great um collaborative collaborative team together he's found that in hit boy him and hit boy are just they're fantastic together number seven big pun big pun left way too soon when the second album dropped, he was he had passed away already. So we'll never know what he could have done more, but his first album is classic. Capital Punishment, I still bump to this day. He came out and is a lyrical fucking monster. And he's the first Latino to go platinum, I believe. Uh, Fat Joe come on, lay him later and have much more success. But that was Fat Joe's guy. Fat Joe found him, and um, it's a shame that Fat Joe has a fallen has had falling out with his his ex, his widow. Um, but uh, hopefully they come together at some point in time, um, because Big Pun's legacy is attached to Fat Joe. Like I, I but that that first album, whew, bars. Number eight, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. Another one left us too soon. Uh, Pusha T recently said that the that, uh, Biggie's Life After Death is the greatest double album of all time. I agree. What Diddy and Biggie constructed and what Diddy was able to do with that album after um, Biggie passed away. Cause that, that album dropped after he passed. Uh, was fantastic. His first album, Ready to Die, is a classic as well. Um, I think it only has like Method Man on there uh, as a feature. But, dude... You literally start off the second album, the second disc with uh, Bone and Biggie Biggie. 
dude holy shit that album the production on the album is crazy i'm still trying to recreate that bone and biggie beat <laughs> that beat is bananas um but dude if you listen to nothing else listen to his first two albums not the posthumous stuff well technically the second album is posthumous but it's for this for, for these purposes i'm saying it's canon <laughs> check those two albums out ready to die and uh, life after death i tell you i'm telling you right now you won't regret it number nine Royce the five nine Royce the five nine i always loved his style i remember when i first heard him rapping with eminem i was like who is this guy and why why do i like it it was so different it was so it felt forced but it was and that should be a bad thing right but it felt forced to me in a good way me being a young inspiring rapper like forcing bars and stuff i feel like he was doing the same thing but with more confidence right and then the more i listened to his catalog the more i listened to his catalog i started liking it more like eminem i was like but why do i like his style why I, to this day i can't figure it out but i know there's something about him and then i remember he has falling out with eminem and all this other stuff i didn't care then he dropped death is certain which is not on streaming services which i think is a good album and that's like, okay and he, he just kept working kept rapping kept rapping ends up getting to a slaughterhouse ends up uh making out eminem etc etc just royce of five nine his last album the allegory he's literally just to me the allegory has the less play uh playback ability for me personally but He's rapping his fucking ass off. I think that's I think that's why when I say forced, it's more like he's forcing his he's forcing his way into your brain. I was actually told that one time by somebody. She was like, I don't know why I like your style. And then she came back and said, I think I know why I like your style. It feels like you're forcing me to to take you seriously. So it feels like you're forcing me to say, Hey, just give me a chance, you know. That's the best way I can describe it, but Royce Five Nine I've always liked him, always, and I think he's, I think what's all said and done, he may not have the hit records, but he's a first ballot hip-hop Hall of Famer for sure. Number 10, Eminem, I mean, to me, I stopped listening to Eminem consistently after the Eminem show, um, that wasn't his peak though, not, for, not my opinion, but for me, he could never top, for me, what him and Dr. Dre did on the Slim, on the Marshall Mathers LP, the first one, not the second one, was a mix of him being underground and him being polished. Like when I listen to beats like "Remember Me," that should not work on an album that was funded by Interscope Records. It should not, but it fit the album because he is. Eminem will forever be a battle rapper. And when you hear him on tracks with RBX, Sticky Fingers, once again, should not work, but it does. And for me, that bar, he will never be able to surpass it to me, which is not fair to him, but Eminem's impact is ridiculous. He, he I, I believe he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already. Um, Hip Hop Hall of Fame, obviously. His place is, you don't speak about the impact without Dre, obviously, but you don't. You don't ever disrespect the legacy that Eminem has built for himself. Listen to listen to Till I Collapse with Nate Dogg. Get back to me on that one. Number 11, Outkast. 
Atlanta, Georgia stand up. Organized Noise, Big Boy, Andre 3000. I would dare say all their albums up until the uh, their final album was a classic. Not I don't count the the soundtrack they did for uh, that movie. I don't know the name of it, but Stankonia, Aquamanai, Southern Playlistic Music, classic records, like classic. And then not only do you have a classic album, you have classic singles to back up. Rosa Parks, Miss Jackson, So Fresh, So Clean. Like, these are classic albums, and you don't get one without the other. And and, and I, I appreciate the honesty. Like, Big Boy, you could tell by his style, he's a natural freestyler. He had to learn how to write his own stuff. And I believe the first album, Andre wrote his verses, uh, Big Boy's verses. And it uh, shows you how, how talented Andre is. But also shows you how talented Big Boy is. He's able to flip and say, you know what? I can freestyle. Let me be a better writer. Hell, B.O.B., man. I put on B.O.B. to this day. They murdered that shit. Check that out. Number 12 is the Wu-Tang Clan. Man, this is probably one of the few groups in hip-hop history that has such a cult following. People to this day will wear their shirts or see a Wu-Tang shirt and will buy it proudly. Wu-Tang Clan and the next group I'm going to name after this just have that going on. Um, one of the classic lines from them, she's been in more hotels than Bibles. Jesus, the f- oh, Christ. That's some powerful shit. Um, but their legacy, I'm pretty sure if you go to a Wu-Tang show, you're never going to see all of them at the same time. But um, they are, without a doubt, um, an important part of hip-hop history. Next up, A Tribe Called Quest. Drop Call Quest, Q-Tip, Fife Dog. Come on, man. What, what what more do I need to say? Midnight Marauders. Classic, classic, classic. Like, I don't care for Q-Tip's solo career. Um, <clears throat> but I was the Q-Tip guy. I was a Fife Dog guy. And um, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. But, man, no of us three could do what they did while putting other people on. Lears of the New School, which led to Bust Around solo career. 14, Kendrick Lamar. The voice of a generation. Some people would say he, Drake, J. Cole are, are linked. Uh, I, I can agree with that. Um, that's okay, too. That's that's the super dope. Um, but Kendrick Lamar, we gonna be alright. Um, his previous album, or his last album, uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, uh, people are still struggling to get that album. You still don't understand the meaning of it. That's how his impact is. Come back, still go platinum, still get people confused. 15, J. Cole. This dude says he has the bronze medal. I think you're the only one that thinks you have the bronze medal, my friend. J. Cole is no third place. He is his own person. He has built his own lane. He literally, to me, can do what Drake and Kendrick cannot do. He can be the best artist. For every um, role models, he can have um, a serious song. I let I let Nas down. You know, he can be the ultimate artist to where he can give you a commercial hit, but he can also give you that serious shit too. That's where Drake and Kendrick play their lane. J. Cole can be in and out. There's nothing wrong with that. 16, Will Smith. Will Smith is the first artist hip-hop artist to get a Grammy. Check the records. 
He was the first women DJ, Jazzy Jeff. Uh, they they actually boycotted the uh, Grammys because they weren't they, they at the time they didn't show the hip hop uh, award being presented, and so they were the first ones to do it before Jay Z did it. Um, yeah, but they were the first ones to do it. To me, obviously my newest hits like uh, Two of Us, Jiggy with it, The Men in Black song, which is a dope ass uh, sample he used. Um, but it's also parents don't understand. Also, the song where he's talking about how. People don't even think, when you think of Will Smith, I think of the slap, right? You think of that type of shit. People don't know Will Smith was accused of rape. And, it, and a woman it was falsely accused. And he actually rapped about it. And it was on a single. Um, crazy shit. Will Smith. And Jordan Lucas even gave him his flowers. That is, and then, then, then Will Smith got on a remix and Will Smith fucking killed it. Crazy shit. 17. Mia X. Mia X is a first lady of No Limit, by far an underappreciated talent. Um, I could not imagine, personally, I could not imagine I couldn't imagine listening to a lot of those No Limit records without her. She was the glue. Um, It's good to know she's Healthy now, she beat cancer. So congratulations to her. This just listen to uh, Unladylike. Tell me what you think. Eighteen, the clips. At first, I had Pusher by himself, but to me, in order for Pusher to be the 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 uh, artist he has become now, he had to be come out with his group. Now, before Pusher was called Terror, he's actually on a five hundred four boys album, Goodfellas. Um, but grinding was when that beat for i remember they were such a phenomenon at first album lord willing when that beat drops on grinding people just people just like, oh shit what is this and the beat is so basic but they murdered it and i think the first album's a classic i don't think the next two are classics but i could always go back and listen to all three albums and, I, and i'm okay with that you know Check them out. 19, Public Enemy. Um, fight the powers that be. Elvis was a racist. Chuck D is built different. Chuck D is built fucking different. I know Flavor Flavor is the hype. Flavor Flavor is like the ultimate hype man. Him and Split Star. <laughs> but Chuck D was built to be a, a ambassador for hip-hop. He was built to... Break, excuse me, break down barriers for hip hop, but Chuck D was built different. Twenty fifty cent. To me, he only has one classic album, but his impact on the industry. I was living in Atlanta in two thousand three, and I remember I used to drive. Not I didn't drive myself, but I was in the car. I was in the passenger seat. I would go with a friend of mine in two thousand two. I would go, right after I got military school in 2001, December, 2002, mixtapes started dropping from 50 Cent. Before then, but like, these were other mixtapes. I had a friend who was from New York, would say, hey man, can you round me in New York? I need these mixtapes. Cool, I got you. We'll go to New York, only go to New York for one day. Drive in, get the mixtapes on the way back, bump that shit. We did that almost every weekend. That's how much music gene that was dropping, 50 Cent was dropping. And then... His, then all of a sudden, Get Rich or Die Trying dropped, and it was 
if I said a nuclear bomb with someone else, this was something, this was a napalm bomb. I know it's not as powerful, but, but follow me on the analogy. It destroyed careers. <laughs> it, this album destroyed careers. But before that, I remember, doom, 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 go, go, go. I remember saying, oh my God, this shit is crazy. Oh my, I got scared. <laughs> because I, was used, I wasn't used to listening to that 50 Cent. Like, these dudes used to, like, they took the mix game, tape, tape game to a crazy level. They used to rap over, if they couldn't find, like, the instrumental, they would take the song, they would just rap over people's, <coughs> excuse me, songs. And, um, and, um, they were just killing shit. And then, to hear him be polished under the Eminem and Dr. Dre banner, and to hear it in the club, which you can still play to this day, that song will never die. To hear that song to this day is still powerful. That album is a certified classic from beginning to end. And the way it starts off, it's just so pop. What a gangsta. Man, I'm telling you. I won't do that again because that made my voice sound shitty. That way more like shit than it is now. But that was very powerful. My friend, very fucking powerful. 21 Kanye West. His impact on the game is undoubted. Say what you want to about Ye. He came in as a producer. Producing a lot of records that we didn't know he even produced because he wasn't in, he was a nobody, right? Then all of a sudden he gets in an accident and drops through the wire. Then we get college dropout. Certified classic. Then we move on to Late Registration, which is a completely different sounding album. I still, to this day, don't know what he was going for with those particular... I know he brought in another producer, but I don't understand fully what he was trying to get across. But then you have Graduation. Then you have a shift, because then he has a lot of a loss, a lot of heartbreak, and stuff like that. Then you get... Uh, some people would disagree with this, but I think it's a ground, groundbreaking album, 808s and Heartbreaks. And I don't, I, I, I like four records on there, but that impact of that album of hip hop artists doing that <clears throat> was different at the time, especially for an artist who was established. But then the album that saved his career, that is his magna opus, he will never top it in my opinion, is my tall, twi- is my tar- dark twisted fantasy. Talk about a classic with classic verses on there from Jay Z, with classic verses on there with Nicki Minaj and Rick Ross and. Pusha T, he took his, he, he literally said, okay, I took a break off, I had some shit going on, you guys think I lost it? Cool, lose this, holy shit on a shit platter, Batman, he murdered everything on that, with that album, you need to check that out, 22, Big Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane, smooth operator, still does shows to this day, and hip hop heads go, I was watching a video just the other day of uh, him at a show. It was a packed crowd. This dude has been rapping for fucking 40 years and still has packed crowds, and he's worth it. Uh, to me, um, one of the original lyricists of hip-hop, one of the original lyricists, there's a difference there. 23, Juvenile. Juvenile will get lost in the shuffle, shuffle because Wayne has become so big. But Juvenile, without him leading the charge, Wayne doesn't get as high as he does, in my opinion. Wayne doesn't have that blueprint to follow. Like, he had, Lil Wayne did not have the hits he has. Did not have the hits he had until Juvenile left. And he had to carry the, the baton on his own. Um, but Juvenile, 400 degrees. 
Some people will disagree with this. I still think that's the best album Cash Money ever put out from top to bottom. It's just something something's different about that album. The production from Manny Fresh, even the verses from BG, Turk, and, and uh, Wayne, they're just different. And then Jay Z had to ride the wave of the Ha. He he Ha. Uh, Juvenile's first single was called Ha. Um, you a paper chaser? You got your block on fire. Remain in the G. Jay Z volunteered to put a verse on. He didn't even pay for it. He just knew that the, the wave was hot, you know, and um, he got on it and he actually killed it too. Um, but Juvenile, without a doubt, Hip Hop Hall of Famer, first ballad. There is no cash money without Juvenile. 24, 3 6 Mafia. Oscar winners, Grammy winners, certified platinum hit makers. They're not the best lyricists. Ju- Juicy J's come a long way. Juicy J's definitely can rap. They're not the best lyricists, but their production, their influence on the game is too important. It's too important to not recognize. It's just too important. Their production alone, their style of just rapping fast, darker, then turning to side to side, I stay high. They literally wrote. They literally have written for for movies, like I said, won Oscars. Um, so it's they're they're Tennessee stand the fuck up. Twenty five, Little Wayne. Little Wayne, a Fifty Cent and G Unit um, mastered the the mixtape game. Little Wayne took their blueprint. And made another blueprint that no one could follow after. He literally took it and said, "Yeah, I, I, I understand Kimosabi," and took it and just made. He just blew it up. The 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 dedication mixtape series with, with DJ Drama, leading to his albums. I think at one point in time, this dude was dropping over like three hundred songs a year. That didn't even count as fucking features. You couldn't do an album without doing the Wayne feature. And then his legacy is completely concrete now because he then brought along and made superstars out of Nicki Minaj and Drake. He didn't find Drake. I believe Jay Prince's son found Drake. But Lil Wayne made Drake a star. We're halfway through, guys. Stick stick with me. Damn, we've gone almost an hour. Jesus Christ. My... <laughs> 26, Mob Deep. Mob Deep. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Prodigy and Havoc were their brothers, obviously. Prodigy's passed away. Rest in peace to him. But Prodigy, Havoc, they just worked together very well. Havoc's production. Um, Prodigy just, yeah, I get it. A lot of murder, murder talk. But when they got lyrical, they got fucking lyrical. And they... And then and and they, I think they're gonna be. I think they're more appreciated now than they were then because you you have a lot of people doing murder murder talk, but you didn't have a lot of people doing it the way they did it, because a lot of people can do murder murder talk, but they don't have choruses. These people had these guys had choruses. These guys had uh, the the cosigns of everybody, you know, and so. They are a very important part of hip hop, and I still listen to this stuff to this day. Twenty-seven DMX, 
Rest in peace, Darkman X, dude. The only person in hip-hop history to drop two albums in the same year, and they both are number one. He dropped Dark. He dropped uh, his first album, as Dark and Hell is Hot, and then he dropped uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood in the same year. Dark. Uh, the first album's a classic. Second one's not. But the point of me saying that is, dude with five straight number one albums. The only hip-hop artist to ever do that. Unfortunately, he had too many demons. Um, they got They took advantage of him. He, for me, this guy is the guy that is the epitome of honest to a fault. This guy, I remember getting into an argument with somebody, and they said, well, it can't be both ways. This is a Christian guy, air quotes Christian. He was like, yeah, it can't be both ways. You can't, you can't keep serving the devil and serving. I said, well, that, that's the point of DMX. He's telling you his struggles, how he wants to serve. He would literally do a song on each album at the end of the track, at the end of the album, where it's him talking to God and God's telling him, do better. And he's like, I'm trying, but there's too much temptation over here. And I wanted to have fun. I told you I was going to be right back. He's being that honest. The things that people say in, in their private time, he was saying on records and making millions while he was doing it. Look at some of his shows. Dude would be crying. Women will be crying with him. Men will be crying with him. So powerful. So powerful. I just addiction's a bitch, man. It just is. Twenty eight the locks. Jada Kiss, Sheik Luch, Styles P. They came out the gate. It's Money Power Respect with Lil Kim and DMX. And their, 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 their first album was nothing to write home about. It was, a, it was a bad boy album. But then they were able to be on their own and go to Rough Riders, and holy shit, they built their legacy. Holy shit, they built their legacy. And it was good to see them during that verses. I know J.K.'s got most of Flowers, but you just seen how why they never, they've never broken up. they never had public feud. You've seen that they're truly brothers in arms. And even if they disagree, we don't need to know it. With hits like D-Block, the mighty D-Block, uh, Ride or Die Chick, We Gonna Make It, I Get High. These guys are lyrical assassins. 29 Snoop Dogg. Can I say, he's he's literally the uncle of hip-hop. He is the uncle that will be at the barbecue, crip walking, eating, smoking weed, talking shit. He is beloved now. At one point in time, he was not. <laughs> he was very much hated by the by this country and by the, <laughs> but he's been very much embraced. He's become commercialized, obviously, but he is a very important part of hip hop. Dre took once again Dre, you know Dre's influence, um, but we cannot. I do not want to disrespect Snoop and say it's, it's bad. Dre put him on for sure, but Snoop took it and said, "I know where I need to go," and he went there. Thirty naughty by nature. You down with OP Pete man? Yeah. Uh, Hip Hop Hooray um, Tretch Vinny um, These guys are What we call When they get their flowers I don't know if they've been on Drink Champs or not I don't think they have But when they get their flowers A lot of people are going to come out saying you damn right Underappreciated Tretch is a monster fucking lyrically. Um, just 
I can't explain it because that's how underappreciated they are, truly. But they are a very important part of the 90s hip-hop scene. And one of, my, one of the highlights of me, I'm, and uh, for me, is going to the Essence Festival many years ago and not really knowing who we were going to see. Kanye West was actually headlining that year. I didn't know any of this. I was just going because someone bought me a ticket. And me and my cousin were just like walking around the entire Essence Festival. And all of a sudden we heard some familiar music. And me and my cousin looked at each other and said, what the fuck is this? We go in, fucking Naughty by Nature is fucking performing. It's like, holy, you're damn right. We, we, you damn right we stood there and watched that shit. Dope. 31 Busta Rhymes. I mean, this dude started with the leaders of the new school. And the verse that put, and the verse that put him on was a, a feature that Tribe Called Quest had the leaders of the new school on. And Busta came on and said, uh, 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 is this coming back? And uh, uh, uh. And they knew he was going to be a star immediately. The labels were calling immediately. And he became a, a mega star. Busta could still rhyme his ass off to his fucking day. He dropped an album during COVID. And I remember me and my boy, Spencer, we were, like, as soon as it dropped, I, I listened to it or whatever. And I was about to text him and no lie, he texted me first. Have you heard that Busta Rhymes album? This guy can still fucking go. He is a rapper's rapper. 32 Jay-Z. Hip-hop billionaire. Billionaire for a wife. Beautiful life, I guess. Didn't start off that way. Reasonable Doubt at the time of, of dropping was very underappreciated. Um, he, he was just doing music for his friends, he said. And um, that is a certified classic. And then he had some some hits, you know, with with Annie, Orphan Annie, and some other things. And then what really got his career kicked off was a classic in the Blueprint. Yes, he has the takeover on there where he dis Prodigy and uh, that's cool. But the Blueprint's a classic all the way through. He finally put everything together to to build another classic. And um, what can you say? His last album, Four Four Four, is him being full circle. Him not just talking about cooking over the the, the, the the frying pan. Him talking about his flaws. Talking about how he was trying to hide the fact that his mother was gay. That's full circle. 33, Soldier Slim. Um, one of the most what-f stories in hip-hop history. He was murdered right before the biggest success of his career. He had a song called Slow Motion For Me. He slowed motion for me. People think that's a juvenile song. That was actually a Soldier Slim song. Um, that that that, that juvenile had picked before uh, Slim passed away, and um, then they were they couldn't do the video with him because he just got killed like two months before. Soldier Slim is known as a Tupac of the, uh, of the South. I don't know if I agree with that. I think as far as controversy goes, sure. As far as keeping it real goes, air quotes again, yeah, sure. But he was his own guy. His first album's a certified classic, from what I was told. Um, and he just, he couldn't stay out of trouble, man. Like I said, he just, demons. Sometimes they get the best of us, and it's unfortunate. 34 Ice Cube, coming from NWA. This guy goes to the East Coast. Gets production from the Bomb Squad, which was a producer team that worked primarily with Public Enemy. And he then crafted classics for the next several years. 
while then still making classic singles. Today was a good day. We'd be clubbing. Uh, then having a group, Bow Down, with West Side Connection. Group that was called Bow Down. This guy is now a t- mainly known for his movies and his TV stuff. But this dude is... Um, this guy is the ultimate lyricist and nah, I can listen to his stuff all day. 35 MC Light. She is, to me, the epitome of what a woman MC should always strive to be if you just want to be an MC. When I say that, I mean she was lyrics first. She could tell stories. Poor Georgie. Go listen to that. She could rap all day as well, but she knew when to slow things down and bring you in. Bring you in. She could also talk her shit too. The song she had with um, Escape, Keep On Keeping On, her talking about how wet she gets from a guy. Dude, her swagger is something that only not even some men have on the microphone. And, she, and I bet she can still go to this day. 36, Queen Latifah, U-N-I-T-Y, Just Another Day. Dana is one of, you guys don't know this because she's just in the movies now. But, dude, she is another one that went from being Afrocentric to just being herself. Not saying, that, that's, not saying that's not her, but she went from just being Afro Afrocentric considered to being like, no, I'm going to punch you dead in the eye. Say, who are you calling a bitch? Such an important part of hip hop. Check her, check her, her catalog out. Thirty-seven Rakim. Rakim is known as the. Him and Eric B came out, and they ended up parting ways after their first album. But Rakim is known as the ultimate lyricist, dude that sits down, crafts his rhymes, in front of you, gets in the booth, and then just tries so many different levels and so many different ways. Um. It's unfortunate that when he has signed to big producers, he has never truly felt like he's connected with them. And that's led him to move on without truly gaining the, the success he's he really he's he's really earned. 38 Eve, the first lady of Rough Riders, dropping classes like what y'all want. Um who's that girl? Uh, Eve, her Philly swag was on on Always on uh, display. She first signed to Dr. Dre. Then after feeling like Dre wasn't going to use her, she acts out of her contract. Got out. Signed to Rough Riders and the rest is history. Um, I don't think she has any classic albums under her um, belt, but I definitely think she's the first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. 39, speaking of first ballot Hall of Famers, KRS-One, the teacher. This dude started... By dissing MC Shan, doing the bridges over, holy shit! This dude started out that way. Then when Scott LaRock got killed, because <clears throat> he was a part of Boogie Down Productions, he changed things up. Went from having guns on his covers to him teaching. Him teaching is a better way. Karis one is the ultimate MC. Dude, I'm sure still raps his day to himself in the mirror when he wakes up. He brushes his teeth, looks in the mirror. Spits out his mouthwash and says, I'm a rapper verse right now. I believe it. 40 Grandmaster Flash. The song that is probably the most important song in hip hop history, the message. Broken glass everywhere. 
Um, that was crafted by this guy. They st- I'm sure he still performed to this day. He, that video, when you watch it, it's so prophetic. It, dry, it starts with the broken glass. Then you just have them rapping on a street while you see people walking. You just see the everyday struggle. Like, I didn't want, even want to put him on the list because, like I said, it's just that one song that does it for me. But every time I get it, I get goosebumps. Every time I hear it, I get goosebumps. So, number 41, Kumo D, The Wild Wild West. This dude, got, he, he put himself on because he was, he felt disrespected. Busy B was performing, and Busy B was the first rapper that really wouldn't battles without rapping. You know, he would bite off of other rappers, and he'd be like, uh, this is suicide. And um, that's how he would win battles. He would just rock the party. And Kumo D one day said, no, I'm going behind him. The promoter said, excuse me? He said, yeah, I'm going behind him. And he just absolutely took Busy B apart, which was unfair, because Busy B was not an MC. He was a it was a party DJ, a party rapper, you know. And Kumo D didn't care, and Kumo D actually gave birth to the lyrical MC. His feuds with L. Kujer classic, um, but he he, got, he put himself on because he, he got tired of hearing Bob and Bob bang a gang diggy give him Bob and Bob dang a dang diggy diggy, um. And so that's where we are now with lyrics. 42 UGK, the Underground Kings, Pimp C and Bun B. Without them, we don't have the words. Um, Woodwheel, Drank. These are some pioneers that opened the doors of Houston, Texas like never before. And then they finally got their just due when Jay-Z called them to do a versus to do a verse on Big Pimpin'. And according to Bun B, those, the chorus was nothing like what it was. He came in, heard a different chorus, something completely different, and he rapped his chorus. Then Jay-Z said, oh, wow. And Bun said, you should rap this, too. That's why I all have different parts of it. And then Pimp C has the most classic guest verse on there. Smoking eye, pouring up, lead it in my cup. This, they, they, rest in peace, Pimp C. But those guys... They are groundbreakers, legendary. Forty-three Bone Thugs and Harmony. These guys, they rap fast, but they sang, and it was different at the time. They got into a lot of beefs because of it. Um, but Art of War is a classic. The first album's a classic. Uh, these guys just took things to a different level, and there's you can never get to. Speaking of people, you can't get the same show. These guys are so. It's only four of them. Well, five of them, technically, when you include Flesh. But they always got problems with each other. But they, I just wrote that. I literally took NWA out. Like, I'm thinking about people now who should be on my honorable mentions list. But I took them out. Um, I took NWA out and put Bone in. Because for me, Bone had more of an impact on me. And I also had Ice Cube in here. Plus, we've been talking about Dre's impact. So, um, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I remember I was doing Uber. I was still living in Atlanta. I was playing Bone Thugs, and it was like, if I could teach the world. I was playing that joint, and they're smokers, obviously. And this one dude was like, man, who the fuck is this? It was a young kid. Like, Yo, you don't know who this is? He's like, no, this is just fire. He's like, can, I, can you tell me who this is? And he started, he, he put his phone on. I told, him, I, told him, I, I told him everything to play from Bone Thugs. I ended up seeing that kid again 
um, I was actually about to pick someone up at a train station. He saw me and said, hey, man, we you remember me? We were in the car. I said, yeah, I remember you saying that. They are fire. They are. They just, they're quiet nowadays, but they're fire. 44, Messy Elliott. Coming out of Virginia, a producer slash rapper. She is, she is like the female Busta Rhymes, doing things her way. The videos are always really fucking over the top and weird, but the lyrics are always on point. The beats are always just crazy. Then, then you get her with a Timbaland production or her with a, a mix of her and Timbaland's production. It's off the hook, man. Get your freak on. Go. Get your freak on. Like, she is, speaking of important hip-hop, she opened a lot of doors for women to at least be able to feel comfortable with being themselves. Like, to me, Cardi B completely different topics but cardi b can be herself because of someone like missy elliott 45 slick rick the ultimate storyteller the ultimate storyteller um his classic verse on outcast uh our storytelling part i think one and two um the he is a very important part of hip-hop because he he is the guy that said you know what you, you, you can have bars for days and rap and you're hard. I get that. I'm just going to tell a kid's story, though. Good night. Like, he is that guy that just wants to rap and tell stories and make you listen all the way through. 46, the first mega stars of hip-hop. Run DMC. I am lucky enough to say I've met DMC. I was at a, a Comic-Con a few years ago. He does comic books. And when I seen that him there, I said, that's, that's fucking DMC. And he's actually, when he signed it, I was like, hey, can you put rest in peace, Jim? I said, oh, I always do. Super nice, super respectful. Um, they are the first guys to sign endorsement deals with Adidas um, or endorsement deals, period. Their crossover hit with Aerosmith, Walk This Way, still play to this fucking day. Um, Down with the Kings. Speaking of importance to hip hop, they show what you would be if you become a megastar in hip hop. They were the first ones. 47, the original OG, Ice-T. He's known now for being a Tutuola on SUV. SUV? SVU. SUV? SVU. We're wrapping up here. You can tell I'm getting tired. I haven't done a show this long in a long time. Now I, and I have half a voice. Um, but um, Cop Killer was groundbreaking. This dude literally had a song called Fucking Cop Killer. And... Um, if he would have sold a little more records, Interscope wouldn't have been able to even kick him off the label. Because they were trying to make an example out of him to Death Row. But Death Row's numbers were so ridiculous, they couldn't kick them off the label. They were literally making you millions of dollars. Like, people don't know this, but at the time when you're selling albums, CDs, air quotes, if you sell a million records, that's $10 million to the record label itself. That's not even to the artist. Death Row was selling millions so these guys are making tens of millions of dollars off Death Row. Ice-T was selling records, but he wasn't selling records like this. Because he was so controversial. But Ice-T was the person that said, no, I'm still, I don't care. I'm still going to talk about what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about this police, police brutality. He was another storyteller as well. In the most volatile of ways. But this guy was the epitome of West Coast gangster rap. 48. E40, speaking of West Coast, this dude has made up his own languages 
and they, they have attributed to Snoop Dogg, which is fucked up. People don't know no better. This dude has, I think he has to have 20 albums by now, dude. And he's the ultimate, um, sw- he's the ultimate swag. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. This dude just has swag, sprinkle him in mine. He just, I don't think he has any classic albums, personally. I think he has classic records, though. And this guy is the epitome of West Coast rap. There's a famous story where E-40 thought Biggie had dissed him on her track. Biggie went to the West Coast to perform. Biggie goes, Biggie goes to the venue. It's completely fucking empty. So Biggie and D looked at each other like, what the fuck? We got paid to be in a venue. All right, let's, 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 let's leave then. Right? We got paid for nothing. He goes outside, supposedly, I'm doing air quotes again. E-40 and his group are outside just waiting for him. Like, you talking shit? Biggie's like, what you talking about? This line, this not about me. He's like, Biggie's like, no. E4 was like, oh shit, my bad, man. <laughs> Obviously, he's no fucking joke. But um, he he he, dude, he's he's now getting the due he, he deserves. He's now being out there more. But at E40, phew, I would love to work with him one day. Forty nine, common sense. You have I used to love her. You have um. His his stint with Kanye West and his record label, to me the greatest intro ever on a record was created by Common Sense. When the, on his first album on Kanye West label, I'm drawing a blank here, I can't remember what the name of it is, but that the beat plays for about a minute, and then Common Sense comes in for the next minute, and just raps, and it is the epitome of hip hop. It's the epitome of how to start an album. This guy has had his ups and downs. But the one thing no one could ever say is that this dude does not know how to rap and this dude does not treat the culture with respect. And finally, 50. We finally made it. Yes, he's known now today as Yasmin Bay. Yasmin Bay. But we most know we know him most for being most the most deaf of them all. Black on both sides. Umi says, Miss uh, Miss Fat Booty. What a classic album to start with. Unfortunately, we will never um, fully get the guy we want because he's uh, him and Talib are people who just don't believe in the streaming services because they only pay like a penny or a percent to artists. And you really have to have a big name to make money off streaming services, you know, and and he's just, he just believes in his craft and his culture too much to, to do it. But I mean, once again, he also does acting. So he's he's got bread coming in. But he, speaking of uh, guys that just, when they rap, you stop what you're doing to listen. So there we go, man. That was my top 50 with a bunch of honorable mentions. We went long today, almost an hour and a half. But <clears throat> I'm uploading it today. This will be the Monday show. Hope you guys enjoy um, but yeah, this is just my thoughts and I definitely want to do something for hip hop. So, um, that's the show. That's my top 50. Tell me what you guys think, man. I'm so chemical. I'm gonna go rest my voice. Holla at me.